Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Rest hey, Andrew. Hello, Edwin. We are continuing in John chapter 2. We've gone through a couple of days of this fantastic stein of Jesus turning the water to wine. Yeah. And now we're going to see what happens next. There's more in the chapter. So read the next part of the chapter for me, please. The next part is John 2, beginning in verse 13. I'll be reading verses 13 through the end of the chapter from the New King James Version. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves, and the money changers doing business. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold doves, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then his disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house has eaten me up. So the Jews answered and said to him, What sign do you show to us since you do these things? Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then the Jews said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men and had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. Jesus turns the water to wine, and as John tells the story, the next thing that happens is it's at the time of the Passover feast, mm-hmm. so he heads to Jerusalem, and we're expecting some amazing things. So think about this. Wow. Uh, go ahead. Well, no, I am I am thinking about it, and we do have a juxtaposition, okay? We were noticing small family wedding, not a whole lot of people, actually witnesses to that miracle. Now we go to the temple complex at the Passover, huge public event, people coming from all over. So what he does now is going to be seen by multitudes. Seen by multitudes. Lots of people are going to be witnessing this one. And you know, making that point, I, let me just jump to the end. Because it does say in verse 23 that at the Passover feast, many believed when they saw the signs that he was doing. Yeah. He's apparently performing signs. Yes. That John has chosen not to not tell to us. to tell us. He's apparently performing signs, which may explain why when he cleanses the temple, the question is, what sign are you going to show us? Mm-hmm. He's been showing signs, and so they want one that justifies what's happened. I, we'll probably talk about that tomorrow. But he's he's performing signs. So there is uh, there, there are some public things that the people yes. and the crowds are seeing, and it's causing them to believe in him, to follow him, at least initially, to sure. give some allegiance to him initially, though that's going to be up and down as we go through the book of John. But let's just think about this for a moment, Passover. John makes sure to let us know that this is at the Passover feast. Mm-hmm. Tell me about the Passover. What, what, why would, what, 
what are we remembering in the Passover? Well, of course, we are remembering for the Jews, we are remembering the beginning of their nation. Mm-hmm. That The Passover is the annual holiday and feast day that's going to mark the time when Moses led the Exodus. Boom. <laughs> when Moses led the Exodus. Because where were the people before that? Well, they were in their Egyptian bondage. In Egyptian bondage. So here's Moses. Moses is this leader that God has sent. I, yes, the law came through Moses which we tend to look down upon, but that's not how the Jews viewed it. The Jews viewed it as this is fantastic. He's given us the law of God. And of course, what did Moses do? He turned water to blood. And that was the beginning Mm -hmm. of the freedom of Israel from Egyptian bondage. And the Passover then is that final plague. Boom. And he takes them out and there's this deliverance. And so, yeah, go to the capital city, tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And we're going to get the people out of here. Jesus has now turned the water to wine, demonstrating himself to be Moses, the new Moses, the superior Moses. And now, well, we're going to point out it's the Passover. What better time than the mm-hmm. Passover to let's start doing some delivering. Let's get these Romans out of here. Let's march up to the capital city and say, let my people go. Ah. But but that's not what Jesus does. He does not do that. He, he does something very different from that. He goes to the seat of worship. Yeah. The temple. And what he finds there, well, it doesn't look like worship. It looks like big business has big taken business. over and, and has corrupted the worship of God. Here, here's the thing. What we're expecting, mm-hmm. if we hadn't already heard this story and knew what was coming, what we would be expecting, at least from the Jewish mindset, is he has demonstrated himself to be the new Moses. He's going to march into Jerusalem and tell the Romans to get out. So long, and, Governor Pilate. Yeah. Right, get out of here. But instead, he marches into the temple and tells the Jews to get out. Whoa. Tells the worshipers, in quotes, tells the people who are... Who would, would, I guess these would be priests. I guess so this would be part of that going on. Uh, yeah. Whoever is involved Sadducees, in I guess Sadducees have and, a lot of power over that temple complex. And he starts driving people out of the temple. This is a huge deal. Mm-hmm. This is a big, 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 hairy deal because yes. it's it's subverting expectations. He is not behaving in the way that you would expect, though though I get it, of course. These folks hadn't seen the water turn to wine themselves. But as we're reading the story, it's subverting expectations. Jesus, Jesus doesn't come in saying, I'm going to kick the Romans out. I've demonstrated to you I'm the new Moses. I'm going to kick them out. But he does demonstrate there's something very important here that has to be dealt with, and that's the fact that the, my father's house— is being turned into this place of trade, this place of, like you said, big business. Well, and I'm thinking about how John tells the gospel differently, highlighting different um, events. You know, in the synoptics, there's also the cleansing of the temple, but it's at the end of the earthly ministry. So my understanding of John is that he's telling us, started early on with this too. It's something that the Lord did twice in three and a half years. Um, so I tend to agree with that approach. Okay. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, and so it, something they did and he's going to go back and do it again. Where I'm going with this is when I'm reading the synoptics, it seems like the hostility between Jesus and the religious leaders it comes out more verbally. There's the the teaching and the contrasting in his sermons, kind of uh, going out against uh, the religious leaders. But when John tells it, it is this action. I'm going to start at the temple, and I'm going to reclaim it for the Father. Um, 
And that is going to spur on a lot of animosity between himself and the religious establishment. John highlights that there's something here that we should have expected Mm. because David in Psalm 69 and verse 9, as he is lamenting whatever enemies are against him, says that part of what's going on there is zeal for your house has consumed me. And that's what we have here with Jesus, zeal for the house of God. John is highlighting to us that while Jesus is the new Moses, he's also the new David. The new David. And apparently, we don't know exactly what was happening, but um, we did cover Psalm 69 in season four. So mm-hmm. invite anyone and everyone listening in, go back and listen to that. But in Psalm 69, apparently, as David was involved in the collection for the house of God, mm-hmm. it must have been that his intensity, his purpose. There were some people making some accusations. Even in the psalm, it looks like some people are accusing him of theft and stealing, that you're you're so intense about this house that you're even behaving inappropriately. Mm. So it's not surprising at all that Jesus, being intensely concerned about his father's house, is going to do things that people will believe are inappropriate yeah. and they will accuse him of being inappropriate and they will attack him for that. He's, he's doing these things and it's zeal for the house of God. It's zeal for his father's house, just like his father, David had. And it really does seem inappropriate. I mean, uh, this whole idea about money changing, where's that in the law of Moses? Mm. You know, it seems that a cottage industry has come up to say we need to have uh, only uh, appropriate uh, monetary units to give offerings here at the temple. And, uh, you know, we're going to help you out as far as bringing your your sacrifices. You've made a long journey. Wouldn't you like to have um, pre-qualified animals for sacrifice? (laughs) bring the money, change it into the good money, use the good money now to buy these pre-approved sacrifices. And I mean, it just expedites it. You're just going to have a better worship experience. I can understand. (laughs) You know, I can understand why there would be a little bit of this help coming along. I mean, after all, your lambs have to be unblemished. Trying to carry a lamb all the way from your home up in Galilee, down here to Jerusalem. I mean, chances are that lamb's going to get blemished. So we'll have some lambs here for you. You sell your lamb up there. You come down here and you buy a lamb. I kind of get where folks would come up with that system, but they had turned the temple itself into a money-making venture. There you go. And I think that's the, the struggle and the problem. Today, we need to recognize that we... Well, we don't have a temple in Jerusalem, mm-hmm. and I'm not supposed. I, as far as I understand, we're really not even looking forward to another one being built in Jerusalem. Despite what so many today, I guess that's another podcast episode. Maybe we'll get in that when we get to Revelation. Yeah. <laughs> we'll probably talk a little bit about yeah, that. Probably then. should talk about that. <laughs> probably yeah. talk about that then. But, but the temple now, the house of the Father now is, as we find out in Ephesians, as we find out in Hebrews, yeah. is Christ's church. That's right. We, the people of God, are the bricks and the stones and the mortar Mm -hmm. that make up this household of God, a dwelling place of his spirit, Jews and Gentiles having come together through Jesus Christ to be this house of God. I think we need to follow in the footsteps of Jesus and have zeal for the house of God today. Amen. I think we need to have zeal for the house of God today. I think we need to take a lesson here to be very 
leery and even on guard against people who, perhaps with good intentions initially, may turn the faith, may turn the church into money-making ventures. Yeah, making merchandise of it. Because as a believer and as a genuine worshiper, I understand that there's money involved with that. Okay, that there is free will offering and giving contribution and so forth. And because people have good hearts and they understand that money is a part of it, that makes them marks, for lack of a yeah. better word, yeah. for, for people who are unscrupulous, for people who are uh, hypocrites, right, to, to take advantage. And we want to guard the people of God and honor the people of God in their financial sacrifice and in their giving. So there's a lesson to be taken here uh, and that the uh, leadership of a church needs to be very, very mindful and very, very, I think, transparent uh, about offerings. I think there's one lesson to take anyway and Mm -hmm. to push against uh, any type of corruption that may want to come along where wherever money is, there's a temptation to corruption. Mm. Would you say that, okay, we're going to have this church that meets and gathers and by the way, come to our facility. We're also going to have our coffee shop, and we're also going to have our bookstore, and we're also going to have our gym membership that you can pay for to be a part of this community. I have to tell you, I look. No, I, you're you're right. I mean, there's churches making big business, and on one hand, it's like, what are they just nickel and diamond people to death? But they're creating businesses to say, won't this enhance your worship experience? I. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to draw the line. I get the fact that things cost money. And so if you've produced and maybe look, I'm wanting to be honest here because I'm a guy who's written some books and they are in bookstores that are for sale. And if I'm doing something wrong, I want to know and back away from that. I I recognize that when materials are produced, it costs money. Yeah. I recognize that if you're going to have a facility in which to meet, that's going to cost somebody money. All right. Somebody's going to get paid for that. It's I, I don't think we're saying it's wrong for people to make money to build a facility that a church is going to meet in. No. But, boy, there seems to be some line that ends up getting crossed, and we need to, I think, need to be really careful about it. And I think Jesus demonstrates that here, that if we're going to make merchandise of it, but, th- but then even just the broader point, we've got to have a zeal for the Father's house, that we want to make sure the Father's house is being and doing what it's supposed to be and doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that temptation for it to drift, I guess, I guess we'll just say that temptation is still alive and well today, and, and we see it going on today. And we want to, we want to push back against that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Time for us to wrap up. Holy Father, thank you for your house. Thank you for letting us be a part of your house. Help us to be honest. Help us to be thoroughly honest with ourselves and take stock and help us to have a zeal for your house that that we would push as Jesus did, as, as David did, that we would maintain purity for your house, which is a house of prayer for all the nations. Father, we love you so much. Thank you for letting us be a part of your house. It's through your son, Jesus, our King, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. 
Have a fantastic day. Steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.